welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and today we have with us in the studio, Norris Lewis, who is a trainer and physical conditioning specialist. Thank you, Tom. I'd like to welcome Norris to the show. Um, it's my pleasure to do so. Norris happens to be my personal trainer, and we've been working over a couple of years. She also trains my wife, Babs, who many of you also know. And uh, I'd like to introduce have Norris introduce himself a bit and just tell us what he does and uh, give us some background. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Um, well, let me see. I'm an exercise physiologist. Uh, that's my background as far as education. But I'm uh, primarily a Z Health specialist. That Z with being like zebra. It's a uh, methodology of uh, training the client who's dealing with pain and and dealing with the origins or the etymology, if you would, of how the pain developed and how we can actually get them out of pain, so that they can move better in order to see their goals actually uh, be accomplished. There it is in a nutshell. And, and a couple of years ago, I was to the point with my hips and my knees, I have no cartilage in either hip or knee, with my right side being a lot worse than the left. I have a, a flexion contracture in my right knee from an old ACL injury. And I, worked, I started working with Norris, and within about two weeks, there was a major shift in my pain, the point where the idea of having surgery really just came out of the picture. And Norris, what did you do? I mean, what, when you looked at me, I think you remember pretty well. What, what, what happened? Yeah. Uh, well, first, I thought you had a pretty uh, interesting gait, <laughs> right. uh, but um, I was like, wow, that's a nice nice walk there. Uh, basically, I, I just looked at um, your pain gait, and that is what 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 um, things open a pain gait in an individual and what things can close a pain gait. And, and in, in your case, it, it wasn't um, um, kinesthetic. It was simply just having your, uh, your uh, cerebral cortex. Or, and, and your cerebellum, just uh, start thinking of other things to make you um, move better. And in this case, uh, I, I believe we had you, um, say, the months of the year, starting with January, right. skip a month, right. and then have you walk at the same time. Right. Thank and you, you ended up walking and chewing bubblegum. So, um <laughs> But so, so the, the approach is basically trying to get your brain on something else besides the pain. Exactly. And, and, and that's, that's one of the ways we close the pain gate. Um, there are, there are four, five different ways. You, it can be physical. Uh, it can be chemical. It can be behavioral. It can be emotional. And it can be structural. Um, in this case, we dealt with you uh, within the first couple of weeks with from a behavioral standpoint relaxation, getting your, your uh, parasympathetic system to start becoming engaged and, and how to block those, those, those pain thresholds and have you move better. Laughter and humor, jokes are always included in the exercise workouts with, between us. And um, pleasurable, pleasurable activities, writing. And you actually brought me into writing and, and uh, being aware. Right. So, but Norris, you're always laughing at my jokes. I'm not laughing at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, well, we, have, uh, <laughs> we have a great time working out, honestly. It's really good. Other than, other than the last six months, you just cranked it up really hard. But a couple of things I'd like to talk about. So let's go back to the beginning. You were purposefully 
putting my mind on other things is how you were trying to decrease my pain. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and it's, now, again, we're not trying to uh, totally detach your brain because your brain knows what's going on. It's supercomputer. Right. We're just trying to get your brain to expand and understand that that isn't the only thing that your brain can do. Well, it's, it can't center or focus all its attention on your current pain. Right. You would be totally uh, unable to move. And my purpose has always been, as I explained to you before, was that my goal is to have you feeling better when you leave my presence than when you came in. That's true, and it's consistent. And I'll ask you a leading question, but I'm assuming this is a pretty consistent response if people come in in pain, whether it's a knee, hip, shoulder, whatever it is, that by getting them moving, stretching, strengthening, that people's pain really does drop down significantly. Yeah, I, I mean, it can. It, it I, That would be ideal, but again, it depends on the etymology of, or how the individual is holding on to that pain. And in some cases, uh, someone may have trauma uh, and they don't want to move into that pain. And, I, and I'm not going to move them into pain. I want them to understand that the brain can uh, multifunction and move around it. And then they're, they're surprised that they're moving into something that they didn't think they could have before. Well, you said something very interesting because about, Four years ago, I had a really tough time with Achilles tendonitis. My knee was killing me, my back was killing me. And I was really within weeks of deciding to do a total hip and new total knee replacement. And I made a decision. I just either had to start walking normally and just deal with the pain or not. And I called it walking into the pain. So I just started to walk. It took me about 15 minutes to get from my office to the parking garage. And it was miserable. And I just started to walk. And I was... Uh I said, I just can't deal with this anymore. And within two days, my pain probably dropped 70%. It was unbelievable. And it maintained. So when I actually saw you as bad as I was, it was way better than it was a few years earlier when I started to walk into the pain. So you said something right now that caught my attention about you're not trying to run from the pain. You're trying to really go into the pain, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, again, you want... And it isn't it isn't something that's sadistic, uh, but really? uh, no, yeah, no pun intended. Uh, but but we have to understand the pain gate, and 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 one of the last things that uh, that is always recommended on opening or closing dealing with pain, the last the last remedy is surgery, right? And it should be and it should be the the last line of defense. It shouldn't be the first. Uh, again, we talked about physical. You you actually initiated the first thing, movement. Right. That's that's one way to close the pain gate. Well, there's some very clear data on multiple research papers showing, again, I don't have any cartilage in my right hip, huge bone spurs. I have no cartilage in my right knee, huge bone spurs, bone on bone. As you know, I have flexion contractures. Mm -hmm. And on a given day after we stretch, strengthen, do what we do, I have no pain. I can almost jog again. And as part That's of good. this, I get really close to, you know, not ever doing a hip or knee replacement. And then for reasons that are a little unclear to probably both of us, I quit stretching and strengthening. I still quit writing, quit doing the things that I want to do or need to do. Sleep is a big one. And with about two days, my pain's pretty uncomfortable. Now, when people mm -hmm. see the uncomfortable phase, they keep on saying, well, why don't you get your hip fixed? And I'm thinking, well, I really just need to go back to Norris. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then about two weeks ago, you really, I hadn't been stretched out for a long time because I think most of the pain from my hip or knee 
comes from the capsular tissues around the joint, not right. within the joint. And just if you explain to the audience, what did you do to me? It was pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> um, well, I had to lengthen your, your femur, basically. It was, I, I felt, I, I sensed that your femur was jammed in your, your hip complex, and, um, and I had to just simply lengthen it. And it's, it, can, it can be tough on some, but um, you possess a rare quality that you're able to take one of the factors of opening the pain gate or closing the pain gate in this case, that is your emotions. You're able, you're, you're able to focus and see the optimism behind what we're doing together collectively. That allows you to actually close your pain gate and allow your leg to lengthen. Again, a lot of it, it comes from the brain. It comes from the brain. Well, just to be clear, I mean, the only place you can actually feel pain is in the brain. In other words, a bone spur by itself just sitting there is not going to do anything. You have to exactly. go from the joint to the brain, and the brain has to interpret the signal. Then it says danger or not. Because Correct. I'm not changing bone spurs. And the no, other thing, you, no, you can't change them. <laughs> okay, so what are you doing to me? For instance, my knee is sore. We're stretching the heck out of it. Same thing with my hip. And then you push in my right shoulder like you put a nail through it. <laughs> What's all that? <laughs> corrective, that's what we call corrective exercise. That's, that is one of the structural um, facets of closing the pain gate. Uh, and that's when we actually, or, and, and we're also doing postural correction. We're trying to lengthen your spine, get you to be six foot two again, or right. six three, however tall. <laughs> and, right. and, and that's all I'm doing. I'm, I'm taking my, I find the pressure point uh, near your AC, AC joint up there in the shoulder. Okay. I press down into it while lengthening your femur. Okay. And you'd be surprised that the body actually says, wait a minute, there's pain in my shoulder. And it forgets about the, the pain that, that the nociceptors are sending from the hip. I like and you're lengthening your leg. I'd like to make a couple comments. So the data shows that there's no correlation between the severity of pain and the severity of arthritis. In other words, right. people with bone and bone arthritis of their hips, knees, and shoulders, any one of those three joints, have bone and bone arthritis. And most people have no pain. Many people with severe pain have minimal arthritis. What the study shows is that the severity of the pain actually was correlated with the severity of the stress. Right. And so that caught my attention years ago because as an orthopedic surgeon, it's a no-brainer. You have arthritis, just get it fixed. We also know, particularly total knees and people under 65, that the success rate is not nearly as high as people would like. People over 65, it's better. But with knees in particular, they loosen, they swell, they are still uncomfortable, you lose range of motion. It's not a panacea, panacea operation. Hips are a little better as far as the overall outcomes, but again, the complications can be, can be quite severe. Um, blood clots, death, dislocations, instability, all sorts of stuff can happen. And I used to do the operation. I'm an orthopedic surgeon, so I did 10 years of hips and knee surgery. And had lots of nice results. And when it works, it works beautifully, but the complication rate is rather high. I'm sorry, it's not rather high. It's a low complication rate. But when the complications occur, they're rather severe. And so I'm actually doing pretty well. There's not that many more things I could do with a hip or a knee than I can right now. I'm not going to ski black diamonds again. I can still ski the blues. That would be the same with a hip or a knee. Um, unfortunately, it's not going to help my golf game, which is unsalvageable. And so, um, so I think that the weight room does is a bunch of different things. So what do I think proactively, and I'd like you to comment on this, 
that when you're pushing the weights, you're being proactive as far as inducing discomfort, but it's on your terms. There's a sense of control uh, about how much stress that you want to put into that muscle. Then I'm on the leg machine. We've worked on that before. There's a certain point where, or my favorite one's the triceps, where you just, my arms are burning like crazy, but it does something about setting the pain threshold. It's something, it's something about being proactive and inflicting pain on yourself that changes the pain threshold. What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, um, wow. Write a dissertation on that. Um, in, let me see if I can just simply surmise this as fast as I can and as concisely as I can. Stress. Um, the body needs it in order to make the, the appropriate adaptations and or adjustments, um, whether it be um, uh, climate change, going from one climate, from one city to another, one may be hot, one may be cold, your body will adapt within a year. We do the same thing when it comes to um, exercise. Um, we, we impose stress upon certain uh, uh, parts of your body, and your body is forced to adapt. It, it's going to break down tissues, but uh, we don't break it down to a point to where you're uh, in, incapacitated, right. hopefully. <laughs> but in, in, in your case, it's simply applying the appropriate amount of stress uh, with corrective exercise. That's the key. It, it wasn't something like we're in Go's gym lifting heavy weights. Right. It was simple corrective exercising, allowing your body to understand the, the force of the weight and move properly. Again, it's all about movement. But also, it allows you to actually put a fair amount of stress across the joint and still feel safe. In other words, you're not afraid of the movement, not afraid of the pain. And you, you mentioned the emotional component, which I'll just be blunt. It's a little unusual for a lot of, a lot of providers, you know, physical therapists, trainers included, and doctors to look at pain from an emotional standpoint. And I don't know all your training from Z Health and other things that you've done, but from your perspective, how does the emotional component come into pain? Oh, my goodness. It, it comes into pain in every facet of our lives. I mean, uh, with pain, there's an emotion, there's a memory attached to it. So um, with some individuals, I always ask them, uh, when, when I inquire and we start training, how did, you, how did this injury or how did this trauma happen? And some people give elaborate details. Some are very um, sketchy and uh, kind of evasive. But once it becomes clearer that the... Uh, the trauma was caused by an injury, obviously, whether it be their fault or someone else's. It affects how they move, whether it be stress placed upon them directly with weight resistance or simply walking out of the gym and into the street or raising their arm above their hand. Okay. So... You know, there's a whole thing that neurons that fire together, wire together. So people talk about all these things as being close psychological, which I have felt for a long, long time. This has nothing to do with psychology. It's just a linked process. For instance, yes. if you injured your knee, you know, in some bad car accident, your brain is connected to that car accident. And when you drive by another car accident that might be somewhat similar to yours, guess what? You're actually going to kick up those pain pathways. Correct. And so, and then same thing, if there's a certain person you don't like or situation you don't like or your memory comes back, again, neurons fire together, wire together. And it's just a linkage system, not really psychological. And then, you know, I've talked about this a lot, is that when your body is full of stress chemicals, then you feel anxious. 
Anxiety is not psychological, just a measure of the levels of your stress chemicals. So yep. you mentioned the concept of relaxing and enjoying the process. So you're not, it's not so much a no pain, no gain mode, but you're getting movement going, you're stretching, um, you're getting people to relax, not feel afraid of the pain. But you're also, I hate to admit that you might be funny sometimes, but actually you get people to laugh. Uh, which is part of the parasympathetic uh, system. It, by by laughing, you know, mothers do it with, with their infants. They they hum and they get the kid to laugh, and right. that actually triggers that triggers a soothing, um, an internal soothing within an, an individual. That's why parents hum, or the mothers hum to their infants, and they sing lullabies. It it activates that parasympathetic system. I'm really curious from your background as a trainer in in exercise physiology, et cetera. Was that taught to you about? actually the emotional part of the pain like this or is that something you sort of came to on your own i don't think i came to it on my own uh, i i i it just uh when, when i got into z health it, it kind of took my understanding of phys exercise physiology and turned it on its head because before it was always um movement uh, muscular uh skeletal muscular musculoskeletal skeletal and the nervous system was completely um omitted it's, and then all of a sudden, when I started re rediscovering and relearning the nervous system, and how it how it is actually headquarters, it right. let me see that wait a minute, without the brain, nothing happens. Literally nothing. I mean, you can't even exercise properly without the brain becoming totally engaged and understanding why you're moving and how the movement is going to benefit you. Right. No, it's a pretty interesting, remarkable process. And I'm going to be really clear to the audience, and this gets to be a topic of discussion because medicine is so patient's idea, well, this bone spur is causing your pain. Well, again, the only place that you can feel pain, not, I'm sorry, not where you feel pain, but that the pain, the impulse goes from the bone spur, goes up your spinal cord into the brain. Then your brain interprets the signals and says danger. That's when you feel pain. So what yep. the brain is trying to do is it, remember the species who survive, the ones that avoided danger, and what's called the nociceptive system is that you don't stare in a bright light, you're not sitting on hot surfaces, you're not jumping into cold water because those are uncomfortable. The way we survive as humans is that we avoid discomfort and we gravitate towards rewards. The species of creatures who didn't pay attention to these environmental signals didn't survive. So it tends to be really survival of the most anxious and when you feel pain, you're actually exceeding those limits. In other words, the vast majority of our movements are in this neutral zone. And then when you do something that your body senses is danger, like staring into the sun, well, then you avoid your eyes or, or, you're, or you have damage. And, and of course, you don't survive if you were living a thousand years ago. So it's, it's really survival of the most anxious. And this whole pain system is incredibly delicate. It's not just pushing a button and you have the pain. But your brain is, your pain system is incredibly complex, incredibly well-balanced and designed to protect you. And when I'm fascinated with Norris's approach, I mean, my bone spurs are just as bad or worse now than they were, what, two years ago, Norris? I think we've been yep. working on it. And yep. my pain's about a tenth of what it was. I would love for it to be zero. That hasn't happened yet. But I honestly have days where I have zero pain. And... I know when you watch me walk into the gym in the morning, what are some of, what are some of the things that you see when you see me walk in the gym in the morning? Um, I always ask, well, it's not what I see, it's what I always ask. Uh, 
because my eyes may betray me sometimes. Okay. So I always like I always like to ask, how are we feeling today? Because that actually sets the tone for the the workout. Okay. It isn't something that I've already designed, pre-designed, because every individual has different. Um, in your case, the the pain gate may be open because you had uh, lack of physical activity the day before, right. or you may have had a poor night's sleep. Right. Which means that pain gate is now open, and we have to deal with we have to deal with that pain gate and recreate these neural pathways so you can move better again. So it isn't just a um, cover statement that hey. Um, let's get moving. Let's hey, let's first find out how do we feel, and then see if we can address where it, where, where those feelings came from, how it happened, why it happened. Then we can move. Hmm. So, on a given day, you're actually tailoring your workout based on what you're seeing and asking. Yes, I mean that's how it should be because the human body does it in milliseconds, as we see. Uh, our, again, through our eyes, which are our primary neurological uh, sensory, right. we may uh, it's the information sent to the brain. The brain starts making assessments uh, and correlations to our environment around us. It's number one. Our vestibular system is one A, if not two. Thoroughly, our, our our proprioception, where we are in space and time, which are actually the same, uh, unless we can transcend space. Uh, but it is our eyes that kind of let us know what's going on, and then. From there, we can take the movement somewhere else. And I think we also worked on your eyes when you came in as well, too. Right. Right. Now, we did a lot of eye work where we had charts that go up and down and sideways and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a bit of an equivalent in the, in the, in the uh, work, medical, not necessarily the medical world, because it's not in mainstream medicine called EMDR, where you yes. can different thoughts and emotions with eye movements. And I just think as a physician, this is the craziest thing in the world, but it's actually quite logical how it works. And we're going to do another podcast here shortly, but I want to get, I'm actually learning quite a bit myself right here, but it's it's this whole concept of your different senses, your sleep, the actual state of the stiffness of your joints, the strength, the way you view pain, all those things combine to create a pain experience, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And your goal as a trainer is actually to unravel that experience and see which part of it you can dive in on and actually change the whole way pain is perceived. Yes, I simply want to help close the pain gate. And, and I want to just pain, I keep forgetting to ask this question. When we say pain gate, what do you conceptually mean in your own mind that the pain gate's open versus the pain gate's closed? And just in other words, the pain gate's open, you're feeling the pain when it's closed, it's closed. Is that what you're saying, basically? Or yeah. Yeah, so when, when a pain gate is open, that's when people feel pain. They're like, oh, I, I had a poor night's sleep, so it's going to affect their performance. Right. Which will affect how they move, which will, which will affect the outcome of their workout. Right. Everything is, is, is extrapolated, if not correlated to one another. It's, right. it's like compound interest. Right. Or cumulative in, in this case. Either way, negatively or positively. Right. Now, I think what's happened in medicine, one reason the process that um, I've been going through personally and also with the whole doc project is that pain is a complex problem. It's affected by many different variables. And what medicine has been doing for a while is they're throwing random simplistic solutions at a complex problem. And so, for instance, if somebody has back pain, fine. Then, and myself included, I don't want to be critical of surgeons because I was one of those surgeons. I was very, very aggressive performing spine fusion for many, many years. 
But I have people now, I see if I ask, ask a simple question, what's your sleep like? They may not have slept a good night's sleep for three or four years. We know mm-hmm. lack of sleep actually causes back pain. In other words, they did a study out of Israel that showed lack of sleep actually induced back pain, period. So just simply by getting people to sleep better, knocks the pain down by half. If you have your pain knocked down by half, are you going to do a big operation? Probably no. So I, I, the approach is really fascinating about the different aspects that you're thinking about when you're actually dealing with people in pain. So you're not just doing conditioning, stretching, strengthening. You're actually looking at the whole perception of pain, correct? That is absolutely correct. Okay, interesting. Well, Norris, thanks a lot. We're going to do another podcast here, Cheryl. Like live, I need to actually, I just learned a few things today myself. And just the whole, I honestly hadn't thought in terms of your whole approach to pain. I was actually trying to survive the workouts. <laughs> but, um, but I know this is fascinating. So I like, on our next podcast, which we'll do shortly, will be on next week, um, just to give a little bit more of a summary and, and try to give people really good concepts of how they might approach pain themselves. And not everybody can get to you, but maybe how <clears throat> the patients can conceptualize their own pain maybe apply some self-directed approaches to actually, you know, accomplish the same goals here. But I appreciate your time very, very much. And um, fortunately, I'm only having one workout this week, so I can take a deep breath and relax. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been great working with you. And I'm, I'm very excited about my personal experience with your approach. It's been pretty remarkable for me personally. But So thank you. Well, thank you so much. No, thank thank you again. It's always fun to work with someone who wants to better themselves. And, and, and if you can put up with my antics and jokes and my, um, as I like to call it, my personal interviewing, not torturing, um, I think we'll be better off in the long run, both of us. You know, see, my jokes are so bad, it actually makes your jokes look good. <laughs> anyway, oh, well, oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it very much. Thank you both. Have, have a great day. Well, I want to uh, thank both of you for a really informative and uh, educational uh, interview today. I, I really learned a lot as well. And I want to remind our listeners to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And for more information, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.